stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static, everyone. And once again, this week, the announcer is peddling misinformation. Mark is not joining me today, uh, but instead, I have Jeanette Brown, who is my colleague, uh, working on the case of Missouri versus Biden, which you may have heard of in the news by the time you're listening to uh, this program. Um, Welcome, Jeanette. Thank you. It's good to be on. And... um, so we had some big news in this case. Uh, this is the case, I'll just remind all of our listeners, that was brought by the states of Louisiana and Missouri, but we uh, at NCLA joined the case representing uh, three scientists and a uh, citizen in Louisiana who was trying to have uh, health decisions for children be decided by the parents. Uh, and and, and 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 um, all these people were thrown off of Twitter, downgraded and thrown off of Facebook. Basically, they had all their social media um, platforms either downgraded or completely eliminated because they said things that the government didn't agree with. And it turns out, Jeanette, that um, the the Social media companies didn't do this on their own. So, so we got an order from, we got an order from uh, Judge Dowdy down in Louisiana. What, what did, he, what did, what did he do, and 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 what is he trying to correct? Well, the judge uh, entered a very sweeping injunction that basically takes six or seven passes at stopping the government from manipulating the speech of social media companies stopping the government from engaging with them in meetings, by in flagging content, in pressuring them to change their guidelines, all of the ways that the plaintiffs had proved that the government has already interfered with speech by manipulating the social media companies and threatening them. Right. And um, we should, he, he says in here that this is preliminary injunction, but that if the plaintiffs can prove what they have uh, shown by preponderance of evidence has happened that this has been one of the worst um, free speech violations in our history. And I mean, the uh, the the people enjoined. I'll. I, I mean, it's 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 a it's a huge list. Um, but I, let, I, let's talk about our plaintiffs a little bit. Um, he mentions he he talks about exactly what happens to the individual plaintiffs, and I think it's important. Missouri and Louisiana sued on behalf of their citizens, but they didn't suffer the damage directly. Our people really suffered the defend the damage directly. Uh, plaintiffs uh, Jay Bhattacharya and Martin Koldorf um, were infectious disease epidemiologists, and they helped author the Great Barrington Declaration on October fourth, twenty twenty. And that criticized lockdown policies, expressed concern about damaging physical and mental health impacts of lockdowns. And then what do we allege? Well, we allege what 
pretty much you can tell from the timeline because we deposed Dr. Fauci in this case. And about four days after Fauci said uh, there has to be pushback, these these folks of the Great Barrington Declaration began to see their media, um, their social media um, hits decline. They allege that shortly after being published, the GBD, the Great Barrington Declaration, was censored on social media by Google, Facebook, Twitter, and others. And on October 8th, four days after publishing it, Dr. Francis Collins, Dr. Fauci, and Cliff Lane proposed together to take the takedown of the Great Barrington Declaration and followed up with an organized campaign to discredit it. And so, and then uh, Dr. Koldorf was censored. Uh, and, and it's one litany after another of what happened when they crossed the government on, on its policies. And, um, you know, and, and then Jill Hines, I just want to, she, she's co-director of Health Freedom Louisiana, and the court goes into this, a consumer and human rights advocacy organization. Hines alleges she was censored by defendants because she advocated against the use of mass mandates on young children. She launched an effort called Reopen Louisiana on April 16th, 2020. And she tried to expand Health Freedom Louisiana's reach on social media. And her social media page began receiving warnings from Facebook. She was suspended by Facebook January 2022 for sharing a display board that contained Pfizer's preclinical trial data. That's from Pfizer. It's not from her. Um, and additionally, posts about the safety of masking and adverse events from vaccination uh, and posts encouraging people to contact their legislature and the government's mask mandate were censored on Facebook and other social media platforms. And, and so um, she says that, so, that the reach Health Freedom Louisiana was reduced from 1.4 million engagements per month to, approximately, to less than 100,000. So, yeah, uh, I think it's important. I think it's important here that she was not only obviously speaking for herself and advocating, but she was trying to get people together to go express their opinions to the legislature. The censorship there wasn't just of speech. It was of efforts to organize people to exercise their right to petition the government. Yeah. And, and the same happened to Dr. Cariotti, who's a psychiatrist um, who taught at universities, written numerous articles. And that's the thing. The scientists in this case that we represent, they've all been cited in journals again. And before COVID, they were cited all the time. And then suddenly the, uh, the social media, uh, you know, Fauci calls them, um, you know, outliers. And then suddenly uh, they're uh, downgraded so that their views can't be expressed, all based on on science. And they say their reasons. It's not like they, it's not like they just uh, spout off. And so... Um, and and so uh, the question arises, Jeanette, it's that did these companies do this on their own? And if not, how do we know that? Well, the court was absolutely convinced, and I think the evidence shows these companies, the social media companies, 100% did not do this on their own. There is a plethora of evidence, and the judge cites a lot of it, but certainly not all of it, showing that time and time again, Different departments, different government officers and agencies made inquiries, threats, uh, followed up on their inquiries and threats, asked for action plans and reports back, took all kinds of steps to ensure that the government's position on, for example, COVID-19 was being advanced while, and more importantly, other people were being silenced. Um, and, and the court was particularly troubled, I think, not that this was just the government saying what its viewpoint was. It's a long way 
from mere government speaking of its own preferred policy. It is actively intervening to discredit and take down, literally they say take down, opposing viewpoints. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I was the guy who deposed the head of the CDC social media uh, uh, task force, and she admitted right on that she wanted those opposing views either eliminated or downgraded so they weren't seen as much as theirs. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't hidden. It's not a it's not a theory of ours. They've admitted it. Um, and and so uh, I I am I am uh, kind of amazed at uh, some of the responses I've seen in the media. But but why don't we go over uh, some of the things uh, I the here's here's the way it breaks down the the memorandum where the judge describes everything that supports his decision um, is 155 pages long and obviously we're not going to go through that but his order is very short I mean it's it's not very short but it's short it's seven pages long and the things he pre- prohibited certain people to do he didn't he didn't um, did you find it uh, unusual that uh, he explicit, he explicitly excluded uh uh some people from the order um, no it, I, didn't, it, I didn't find it unusual i you know obviously there's some people who are no longer with government no right. longer in a position uh to take these activities and that's something that had come up in the briefing and was discussed at the hearing so i i think that the judge was i think it his selectivity displays how conscientious he was in the order I, I think the same thing, but I thought director Nina Jankowitz was particularly funny to um, to exclude as she was going to be the head of the Ministry of Truth itself. Um, <laughs> but but she has left government, and you're exactly right. That that was it. But that was the name that jumped out of the folks that uh, aren't subject to the order. Um, well, I'll just, uh, before we, we go to the next segment, um, and we'll discuss this a little bit more, I just want to um, let people know what he prevented. The government can't meet with social media companies for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner the removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech posted on social media platforms. And he gives a definition for that. And then he's specifically flagging content or posts on social media platforms and or forwarding such to social media companies urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner for removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content containing protected free speech. And then he, third, urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner social media companies to change their guidelines for removing, deleting, suppressing, or reducing content containing protected free speech. And his, his um, next is collaborating, coordinating, uh, partnering, switchboarding, and or jointly working with the Election Integrity Partnership, the Rally Project, Stanford Internet Observatory, or any like project or group for the purpose of urging, encouraging, pressuring, or inducing in any manner removal, deletion, suppression, or reduction of content posted with social media companies containing protected free speech and threatening, pressuring, or coercing social media companies in any manner to remove, delete, suppress, or reduce posted content of postings containing protected free speech. And it goes on and, and, and each um, and then even a bolo notifying social media companies to be on the lookout for postings containing protected free speech. And all of these sort of go the same the same way. And and the, and each one is protecting free speech. So when we come back, 
Um, Jeanette, I want to discuss some of the parade of horribles we've heard about this order that uh, I, I think are uh, completely not well taken. And we'll see you in a little bit. Welcome back, everybody. And I'm here with Jeanette Brown, my uh, colleague on on the Missouri v. Biden case for our clients here at New Civil Liberties Alliance. And Jeanette, uh, we were talking about this order that has been issued in the case, preliminary injunction, preventing the government from uh, tossing free speech off the social media by pressuring the social media companies. But uh, can you give our audience a flavor of the type of things and the amount of pressure that the government was putting on all these social media cases, as as shown in um, Judge Dowdy's uh, memorandum? Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll try to, to be brief again there. To your point, there were so many pages and so many 155 pages. I, I, I give, give <laughs> top of the waves, touch, touch, touch some of the. Uh, some of the top of the waves of, of, of what kind of pressure they put on. Sure. So, for instance, you know, with the White House, the White House was in regular contact, sometimes multiple times per day, contact with the social media companies, companies saying, you know, sometimes specifically, we don't like this post, you need to take it down, you know, following up, not just saying, you know, we find this post to be incorrect, but saying, what are you doing about this? How is this consistent with your policy? You need to report back to me. This is not a hypothetical. Um, you know, and uh, threatening them with, with essentially threatening the social media companies with essentially collaborating in some sort of criminal activity, uh, you know, arguing to the social media companies that other times when they hadn't been completely transparent with the White House, they were somehow responsible for, you know, conduct that had occurred that had, had hurt people. Um, and so there was a regular drumbeat, um, not only of, of what they should do, but how they should report back and sometimes what the consequences would be. Um, and then, like, the CDC, uh, you know, issued various serious statements about the harms that the social media companies were causing and issued a request for information to the social media companies. So, again, it's not just the government speaking. It's the government demanding or, you know, they would say requesting follow-up from these social media companies to prove that the social media companies were taking action. And we're doing um, other, and doing what the administration wanted them to do. Absolutely, of course. Of course. And and, and what gets me about all this is it's not just the White House. Now Flaherty some of the more um pungent comments come from Mr. Flaherty, I'll, I'll admit. But um but it was other agencies and they're calling and they're having meetings sometimes twice a week telling people what they want on there and what they don't want on there. And um, there's one amusing uh, anecdote that it, it affected our clients, and it, and it, you know, it was part of getting rid of the Great Barrington uh, proposals, uh, as as well as um, some other things that our clients were 
were uh, pressing. But our clients didn't do this. But it is funny that um, I was at Fauci's deposition and this came up. But the judge says on page 55 of the memorandum, uh, NIAD and NIH staff sent several messages to social media platforms asking them to remove content lampooning or criticizing Dr. Fauci. And uh, when a Twitter employee reached out to CDC officials asking if a particular account associated with Dr. Fauci was real or not, Scott Price of NIH responded, fake imposter handle, please remove. And it was a it was labeled parody. It was a parody account. And, and they were making fun of Fauci with parody as such as you'd see on Saturday Night Live of, of good old Gerald Ford back in the 70s. It was all this sort of thing, but not the great man Fauci. He couldn't take that. Um, and, and so, uh, they really just, just, um, went on every time there was a lampoon account and it could say, this is, this is parody and obviously not Dr. Fauci parody was banned for the COVID. Um, it was really, really something. Um, and they, and they said, you have to take that down. We're going to do this, that, and the other thing. And, and the other threat that the, that the judge notes is that section 230 allows the social media platforms, you know, people go on there that they don't control and they say things and social media isn't responsible for the things they say. So they're always, they're always threatening the background to get rid of that protection. So, um, it, it really was. And, you know, I always use this phrase. I, I, I always, I, I, there's a there's a saying attributed to Stalin that um, quantity has quality all its own, and and I think he meant tanks and men, but it certainly applies to all these contacts that the government has with the social media and all the harassing, the browbeating, the threatening. It's it was a long process happening, as you say, sometimes multiple times a day, and certainly um, every week. Every week, these companies had to set up special units to deal with the government's uh, complaints to them. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I mean, and a popular catchphrase now from the government that they say is a positive thing is that they are always bringing the whole of government to bear on whatever their effort might be. You know, and they want to spin that as something that is, is good for the American people. But when you're bringing, you know, every law enforcement agency, every health agency, every, you know, other sort of agency that's unrelated to a topic and still trying to bring them to bear um, and, and increase the pressure. That is, that is the sort of dark side of whole of government approach to anything. And you, Why you is the USDA involved? You know, for yeah, example, you're it, right. And, and the whole of government approach is very much an admission that they're having agencies do things that Congress didn't authorize those agencies to do. And I think the great example of this is Murthy, the Surgeon General, who's basically a scold in a uniform saying he has all this power to uh, to do things like uh, get information from all these social media companies. He sends a threatening letter to give me your information, including the sources of misinformation. And uh, what what the heck is the Surgeon General? He's not responsible for that. And we saw it with the CDC, you know, the CDC shutting down um, eviction in state courts. It, it was absolutely ridiculous. They had no power, and the Supreme Court eventually catches up. But um, this case is um, absolutely unprecedented. But I just want to talk. You know, Jeanette, we've heard this parade of horribles that uh, that uh, national security be affected, and and uh, and oh my gosh, there's going to be criminal activity and all all that. And um, I thought it was you. You were talking about the balance here. He denied the class action that I moved for. You know, we moved for a class action, and he denied it um, for various reasons. So he didn't give us everything we wanted. 
And he also, as you say, excluded certain people from the order. But then he went further. You know, an injunction just has to tell you what you don't have to do. Most injunctions say, don't do this. And that's what he said. Don't do this. But he also then addresses in the order the government's worries about what they wouldn't be able to do. And I think that that some of those, I mean, here is further ordered that the following actions are not prohibited by this preliminary injunction. So he's telling uh, the plaintiffs, if they do this, that's not going to be a violation of my order. And he didn't have to take that step. That's an extraordinary step, I think. Absolutely. I mean, part of, of entering a good and solid injunction is making clear what is and is not permissible. And again, the judge was very conscientious, you know, very cautious about not leaving it the filling in what you couldn't could do by saying what you could not do, but being explicit to address the biggest concerns that had been raised by the government. Right. And I'll just I can't go through them all. There's eight of them here, but they're they they hit all so here's not what's not prohibited. Informing social media companies of postings involving criminal activity or criminal conspiracies. Contacting and or notifying social media companies of national security threats, extortion or other threats posted on its platform. Contacting or notifying social media companies about criminal efforts to suppress voting to provide illegal campaign contributions of cyber attacks against election infrastructure or foreign attempts to influence elections. Um, and then they can also inform social media companies of threats that threaten the public safety or security of the United States, exercise permissible public government speech, promoting government policies or views on matters of public concern. And it goes on. He says all these normal things you used to do before you stopped shutting up the American people, you're still allowed to do. What I'm prohibiting is you shutting up the American people on social platforms with messages you don't like. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, these with the government in opposing the injunction had raised these as sort of why the balance of harms would favor the government if an injunction was entered. And the judge was, you know, very detailed, just like he was detailed in the things the government cannot do. He was very detailed in what the things the government can continue to do to exercise its proper function. Right. And here's the last one I just want to mention is communicating with social media companies about deleting, removing, suppressing, or reducing posts on social media platforms that are not protected free speech by the free speech clause in the First Amendment to the United, Const United States Constitution. And they're the government. They know what those type of things are. They're conspiracies. They're, they're, um, they're uh, ways to uh, threaten um, serious threats to of bodily harm. You know, th there's things there that um, that the government's allowed to do, but you wouldn't know it if you listen to the media. So I do urge everyone to go on our website and take a look at this uh, injunction. Now, there is um, there is one thing. Jenna, I mean, I, th I believe this is unprecedented. Right. This this uh, I think it is true that this is the first order of its kind dealing um, so uh, emphatically and so detailed about government control of social media um, in the United States. Do you, have you heard of any other? No, I, I haven't. But I think that the scope of what we have proven here is also unprecedented. I mean, this is much broader than, say, McCarthyism, right? And social media wasn't something that existed at that time. But this whole of government approach and this happening for so long across such a breadth I think unprecedented conduct by the government required an unprecedented order. I think you're right. And I, we should mention the government has immediately, the day after it was issued on the 4th of July, 
Um, not an accident, I'm sure. And some critics are saying it's not an accident. I'm a supporter, and I say not an accident because uh, Judge Dowdy goes through uh, all of the reasons we have free speech and uh, quotes George Washington and Harry Truman and, and all these pe- all these uh, famous uh, heroes of America on why we have to have it and why the government shouldn't be doing this. So I, it was released on the 4th, and the government appealed on the 5th. So uh, it'll continue. But um, in closing, I just urge people to go take a look at the order. And if you have time, read the mem- the, the memorandum supporting it. Um, it's really a tremendous document and a tremendous job here. And I also want to thank the Louisiana and, and um, Missouri AGs. They've done a great job. Thank you.